0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Doable Discipleship. Uh, It's a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as we love to call it, and I know you love to call it, the show that helps you grow. This is Doable June 9th edition. Um, If you've been listening uh, and you heard last week's episode, you heard our very heartfelt and sad and bittersweet farewell to uh, our friend and co-host, Brandon, who uh, is has since moved. he he is now living um, out on the east Coast. so we miss him. and um, because of that, we want to honor his being gone by having a, a few doable discipleship rewinds right now. <laughs> so uh, so for this week and next week, we are going to be rewinding back a few years to an episode uh, a, a pair of episodes that we did a few years ago called, what does your heart love most or what your heart loves most? And that was uh, myself and Doug Jones. Uh, So if you are a longtime listener, you will recognize his voice. Uh, If you uh, have just been listening in the past year or so, Doug was uh, the first co-host on Doable Discipleship, and now he uh, is the ministry pastor here at Saddleback Lake Forest. Uh, So these two episodes, this week and next week, part one and part two of What Your Heart Loves Most, uh, dives into just asking that question of where is my priorities at? What is my heart focused on? What am I spending my time, my talent, my treasure on? And really kind of taking an incisive look at a priority. So I really hope that you enjoy these rewinds um, and... We'll be back again with new episodes soon. We love you guys. As always, if you have questions or comments, feel free to leave it um, on YouTube if you are watching there. Or you can email us at saddleback.com. Also, why not? Give us a like, uh, subscribe, give us a rating or review on your podcast app, whatever it is. Uh, we always appreciate seeing those. So, uh, guys, we love you. We're praying for you. And we will uh, talk to you again soon.
1: Welcome, and or welcome back, to another episode of Doable Discipleship, brought to you by the Spiritual Growth Team at Saddleback Church. It is I, Doug Jones, and across from me, the strapping lad. And it is I, Jason <laughs> Wheeland. Yes, uh, this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, or we like to call it
2: the show that helps you understand what your heart truly loves.
1: You know, every time you sub in something else, it kind of degrades the tagline a little bit. What? Pretty soon, soon, the show that helps you grow is just going to be a distant memory in people's minds. I
2: kind of like the idea of tailoring it a little bit each time to what we're talking about.
1: All right. Just as long as everyone knows, it's also the show that helps you grow.
2: (sighs) Okay. Fine. (laughs) Uh,
1: We're kicking off a uh, two-part series today. I'm saying that on faith because I think we have uh, a good amount of material here that's going to take two episodes to cover. All right. Let's begin talking about our, our... Our topic for the day, the theme. We're talking about what your heart loves most. We're starting with uh, really just a basic question. What does your heart really love? We're going to develop this idea of the heart and why it's so important as things go on, but this question seems uh, at face value to be a really easy one. What does your heart love most? No big deal. Uh, But beware, because questions that sound really easy are often very, very tricky, in fact most of us think we know ourselves pretty well. We think we have like insider knowledge of our own inner life, and so we we think we pretty much have ourselves figured out. But then we go off and do things or say things that don't make sense, even to us. And you're probably familiar with the feeling of doing or saying something and walking away going, why did I do that? Or why did I say that? Or where did that come from? You know, why am I feeling so angry? Or why am I thinking this way? Why do these persistent thoughts keep coming into my mind? Or, or, or why do I feel so lost? Or whatever the case may be. You probably know how frustrating it is to feel misunderstood, like people don't get you, they don't understand where you're coming from. But today I want to ask the question, and we're going to be kind of discovering as we go through this episode today, do you even understand yourself? Do you even know yourself as well as you think you do? The reality is most of us, even those of us who've lived a long time, never really get to the bottom of our own hearts where we can learn the truth about who we really are and who we're becoming. And Jesus taught us that the only way for us to be free, truly free, is to know the truth. He said that in John eight thirty two that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So today, we're going to just kind of take a deep breath. It's going to be this week and next week, these two Tuesdays, so split in half. We're going to just kind of dive in, and we're going to just sort of examine your heart a little bit. And our hope is that you might learn a little
2: bit something new about yourself and something new about the kingdom of heaven as well. Yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot about the heart. So it makes sense for us to start off talking about, well, uh, what your heart actually is, according mm-hmm. to the Bible. So this is uh, going to be a cardiology 101 mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, we should we should just note you will not become a licensed cardiologist from listening to this podcast. That's true. Okay. Although the Greek word cardia is very much in the... It is. Passage we're looking at. Anyway, yes. Onward. The human heart, uh, according to the Bible. So, when the authors of the Bible talk about the heart, they are, are really are trying to get at three main things. Uh, the first thing is, is the heart is the center of human physical and spiritual life. A- at the physical level, every tissue in your body literally... Every part of your body is connected to your heart and supported by that constant beating. If your heart is beating, then you are living, like, you know, the thing... It's a good sign. Things are working. (laughs) If it is not, that's a bad sign. (laughs) Um, Again, this is cardiology 101. Um, (laughs) I think this is what they teach in medical (laughs) I think so. Probably in the same vein as uh, as this. Heartbeat, good. No heartbeat, (laughs) not so good. Now, modern people tend to think of the brain as the most important organ, and that's because there is so much that happens through your brain, but your heart is actually connected to the rest of your body even more extensively than your brain is. Even... There are even parts of your body with no nerve endings that are still connected to the heart by blood vessels. You need to have blood pumping to all areas of your body. Yeah, even things that can't feel and send signals to your brain. Exactly. Just because that part of your elbow,
1: otherwise known as the weenus... I would Never say that on the show again, please. I, isn't that what it's called? Yeah, I, that's that's yeah. what I've always, That's what I heard in middle school. Yeah, there's no
2: nerve endings <laughs> because you know y- yeah, you can you pinch can't get it as hurt. As hard as you want, yeah. There's still blood thrown through there. There's that's still true.
1: yeah. So well, let me. Well, I'm saying you know what I learned actually when I was researching this stuff the other day that that's not what this part is called. Nope, did not spend any time okay. on weenus research. We're going to get so many <laughs> comments on it. Anyway, uh, I actually learned your heart has about forty thousand. Uh, neurons attached to it. Your brain actually your your heart actually has its own br- to say it has a brain is a little bit too extreme. But it's it actually cluster, has its yeah. own cluster of neurons. Your hmm. heart actually does certain rudimentary thinking all by itself. That's why even if you're even if you're a person who's been declared brain dead, yeah. Your heart can actually keep beating for hours or even days as long as there's still oxygen in your blood. So your heart is an is an independent thing and it yeah, it really
2: is. Uh it really is one of the centers That's of crazy. physical life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's the bodily sense. Now, in a spiritual sense, the heart is considered to be, you know, it's the core of a person. Everything else revolves around our hearts. So, in that, in our hearts, influence and support every aspect of our spiritual life. They, they are foundational. They, they are rudimentary. They are, are a focal point, if you will of how we process things
1: spiritually. True that. So it's the center of human physical and spiritual life. Second thing that your heart is, according to the Bible, is the innermost part of me that makes me a living soul. So in a sense, your heart is not just something that you have, but it's who you are. It's it's your heart that contains that spark of life and spirituality that makes you a lot more than just flesh and blood. God has put something inside you, a, a piece of his own life and nature that makes you indescribably special to Him, that in a very real sense you are made in His image. You're made to resemble Him, and this this similarity or this likeness is shown deep inside your heart. That makes you something that is extremely special, to, or someone who's extremely special to God. You're not a mere animal, you're not mere flesh and blood, you're something much more than that, which you instinctively know. The way you live your life instinctively shows that you get that. You're not just an animal, you're a living soul, And that's one of the ways that you resemble your creator.
2: Yeah. And third, then, is the heart is the source of my thoughts, my desires, my will, and my loves, my passions. Your heart is the foundation that your mind, your emotions, and your personality are based on. And your heart is involved in in literally absolutely every single, positively everything thing that you do. It's, it's literally involved in, in everything. It goes with you into every relationship, every interaction, every temptation, every win, every loss, every moment of your life. Your heart is included in that. You bring with you into these things that of what is going on in your heart. And in fact, it says in Proverbs that the heart controls the direction of your life. So if the heart is is this something that is so involved, it is it is it is so integral to who you are in the makeup of how you live, how you interact with other with with your thoughts and your passions and, and will and everything like that. You cannot afford to ignore or neglect your heart. It is something that you may even consider to be Kind of passé is like, oh, okay, the heart. Yeah, okay, like you know, sure, it, you know, the heart's become almost cliche to talk about the heart this way. But it is so true, and 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 so that's what we need to spend this time um, over this course of this conversation focusing on. We've got to get the basic idea of what your heart is. You need to understand that. And now that now that we've talked about these three points, we're ready to look at our key scripture for the. For the day, Jesus is going to teach us something important here about our hearts. And something, honestly, it's, it might be something that you may have missed in the past, even if you've ever read this before. Yeah, we're going to discover something that I missed for years and years and
1: years. Actually, up until just a couple of years ago, where I, my eyes were really finally opened to this. We're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 as our key scripture for the day. Or for these couple of episodes and Jesus is speaking to a, a pretty good sized crowd. This is actually a part of Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount goes from, uh, from Matthew chapter 5 through 7 and um, th- these these contain some of the most uh, some of the most memorable and um, commonly quoted teachings from Jesus. this is one of them. So let's read this together and then we'll just start breaking it down a little bit piece by piece. It goes like this, Matthew 16:19 through21. If you want to follow along, would and do that. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. So vermin, you know, rats and stuff, eating, whatever. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal.
2: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I love how clear-cut Jesus is where he just says don't store up treasures whereas and then says the exact opposite where they do like yeah. how, how he just reiterates yeah he's things. he's being as as absolutely clear as he, as he possibly can which
1: which speaks to what I'm you know what I'm thinking next is which is that these three verses seem they're they're short they're they seem very straightforward but we need to take a little minute to break these things down because while it seems like this is just a few verses that you can get easily with just a surface reading. There's actually a lot to what Jesus is saying here that's worthy of taking a closer look. There are three essential elements of what Jesus is saying here, three elements of Jesus' command. And they're basically these three elements. First, he gives us a don't, then he gives us a do, and then he gives us a why. He gives us a rationale. Why is it that we should why is it that we should not and why is it that we should? We're going to break those down. The first thing he tells us is, <clears throat> uh, the first thing is, don't store up treasures on earth. That's the thing that Jesus leads off with. Don't store up treasures for yourselves here on earth. And let me clarify what Jesus meant when he said treasure, because the Greek word that's translated treasure actually refers to much more than just money. The word actually means a container or a chest, some, something in which an ancient person would store all kinds of valuable things. So when Jesus talks about treasure, he's referring to anything and everything that humans hold dear. He's using this this as a general term to describe all things that human beings love. And what he tells his listeners is that they should not spend their time and energy on earth collecting valuables for themselves. And then he explains that metaphorically. He goes on saying that hoarding treasure on earth is a silly and kind of pointless thing to do because in the end, everything that you collected is going to stay here and you're going to die. All your treasure will just get eaten up, or stolen, or get grow dusty and forgotten. All of those
2: sweaters you have <laughs> eaten up yeah. by those moths. Those hand hand all, embroidered. All of those fancy cheeses uh-huh. eaten up by my, my, uh, by mice. Fancy by cheeses, bourbon. yeah, yeah. Everything's gonna
1: end up gone. Now, whatever happens, now maybe moths will eat it, or vermin, or thieves, or whatever. Or maybe your 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 kids, 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 your inheritance. One way or another, if the thieves eat it, they were probably hungry. If it was cheese, they might very well eat it. Yeah. I, I can't see them eating the sweaters, but who who knows? Yeah, well, just saying. <laughs> anyway, the point Jesus is making here is that if you focus on uh, on acquiring those things for yourself, in the end, it's not going to be yours anymore, and you're gonna you're gonna go away with nothing to show for it. It's a bleak picture that Jesus is painting, but he's making an important point, and his point is very simple: that if you focus your
2: attention on earth, you end up coming away with nothing. Yeah. So that brings us to then, okay, the do. So Jesus says, "Don't do this," but he usually has a, has a next step in that, and that's and that's something to do instead. And in this case, it's do store up treasures in heaven. Now, this is where Jesus brings up his ultimate favorite topic. Okay, let's paint the picture. So while Jesus is walking around in the Middle East, he talked about a ton of different stuff, um, but there's one topic that he talked about way more than pretty much anything else, and it was hands down the most dominant theme of his entire life, and the and it, it was a thread that was woven, <laughs> sticking with the sweater theme, <laughs> into all his teaching. And that's the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about it a few times on this show. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the future. By the way, before we... Uh, I wanted, to, I almost forgot to do this earlier, but yeah, let's link to...
1: Uh, we'll link to um, some episodes where we talked about the parables of Jesus, where we talk about the kingdom heavily, but also about the heart. If you go all the way back to, I think it's like episode two... Of doable discipleship. Episode two, yeah. Uh, we talk at length about what the heart is and why it matters, and and how how our heart loves and that kind of stuff. So if you want to uh, go scrolling back to that, or maybe we can link to it uh, on YouTube. You can go check that old uh, that old gem out. That was back yeah. in our early video, in our days. video days. Yeah, it we horrible. should
2: note that we are not linking to the Kingdom of Heaven movie. No. Uh, the Ridley Scott movie. No, we're not. No. Thank you for that niche video reference.
1: You're Let's welcome. Let's continue.
2: Yep. <laughs> uh, sometimes, <laughs> so sometimes the New Testament, it calls this idea the kingdom of God. And honestly, those two names mean the same thing. Yeah, Talking about kingdom when it's of heaven, kingdom of, kingdom, God, of heaven yeah. kingdom of God, they're talking about the same thing. And Jesus was constantly reminding people that there is more to life than meets the eye. There is more to life than just what you see and experience here around you, but that there is is there there is more to it. And this is a fairly basic Christian idea, that there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of earth, which is which is the kingdom that we are born into. It's the place where people mostly live their lives <laughs> ignoring God <laughs> and his authority. And this kingdom is, is easy to see. It's literally the world that's around you right now, but it will soon fade away. Scripture is clear on that. But There's also the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom that God is calling us into. It is a realm where creatures love God and accept him as king. And according to Jesus— this kingdom is harder to see now, but it will last forever. So what Jesus is doing here is he's teaching his audience that rather than accumulating treasure for themselves on earth, which is temporary as Doug was just talking about, that's the don't. They should store instead, store up treasures in heaven, which is permanent. Store your treasures in a place that will last forever. Instead of a place that will fade, store store up and invest in treasures that will last forever in a place that will last forever, and we're going to talk about what you treasure in just a minute. But first, we need to look at the last element of Jesus' command, which is, and this is often where people kind of get mixed up. And this is the why. This is where Jesus gives us his
1: rationale. So you know, don't store up treasures on earth; do store them in heaven. And here's his rationale. What he says is, because your heart will love whatever you invest in. Remember, he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When I first read this, I thought I understood it. I thought, oh, I get it, so if I love something, I'll naturally invest my treasure into it. That seems to make sense intuitively, but that's not what the verse says, and that's not the point Jesus is making. He does not say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Get it? He doesn't say that if your heart loves something, you'll invest treasure in it. What he actually says is that my heart is tied to my treasure and that I will follow and that it will follow my treasure wherever I invest it. So my heart will go wherever my investment goes or wherever my treasure goes. In other words, your heart is not a leader. It's a follower. It needs to be directed. And this is why when you give somebody the advice to follow their heart, it's the worst possible advice you can give. They'll end up going in circles, they'll end up completely lost because the heart is not a leader. It's a follower, and it needs to be directed. Your heart actually has the ability to love almost anything, or almost anyone, simply by investing a little bit of treasure into it. We've all experienced this firsthand. Um, you know, just think: have you ever have you ever worked hard on something that ended up getting lost or broken? For example, you ever just pour some time into something that ended up getting ruined? Uh, a few weeks ago, my my little girl Amelia made a. A beautiful little Popsicle stick sculpture. It was colorful and very pretty, and, and she was very, very proud of it, and we were too. We were so proud of it, we thought, you know, it was a little abstract, of course, because it's the work of a six-year-old, but, but you know, we were proud of what she did, so we took it and we put it on the end table, you know, next to our couch so that it could be admired by the whole family. But she has a three-year-old little brother who loves, positively loves to destroy things, and he got a hold of it, and he broke it, broke it, broke it pretty neatly in two. And when it happened, Emmy was absolutely crushed. And she wasn't crushed because it was worth a million bucks, but she was heartbroken, genuinely heartbroken, because she had worked really hard on it. It was special to her because of the investment she had put into it. And when it got ruined, she was genuinely, genuinely, truly heartbroken. She had poured a little bit of herself into it. She had poured her creativity into it, her time and her effort into it. A little tiny piece of her was tied to that work of art, because she had invested herself into it.
2: Did you just, like, literally just stare at her and just snap it in front of her face? (laughs) I
1: don't know if it it was with malice (laughs) aforethought, but (laughs) it definitely, we we discovered it broken, and uh, there is only one person in the house who does such things. Clyde. So Yeah, Clyde was in the backyard (laughs) at the time, so Clyde is off the hook. Uh. Anyway, and this investment principle plays out in lots of other ways as well. I mean, one that comes to my mind... I, when I was in like a, ooh, like middle school, maybe the beginning of high school, I got really into a, a PlayStation game called Final Fantasy VII, which mm. which old school gamers will will appreciate. And you know th- these were the days where you had to save your game progress on a little external memory card that you had to like oh, s- yes. you know stick in the oh, thing. Yes. And <clears throat> Final Fantasy VII was a very immersive role playing game that just Took you could put a lot of time into it, and I did in high school. And I acquired all the special things. I had like the walkthrough book so that I could find all the, all those special hidden items and all those things. And even now, like 18 years later, I still am very careful about what happens to that little memory card. Of course, because if that thing gets lost or if that thing gets broken, my gold chocobo is gone. (laughs) All my great (laughs) materia are gone. All those, all the powerful weapons all the progress on each character, all that stuff is gone. I'm nerding out now, I get it. All that stuff, I haven't gamed since like, Amelia was born, but man, do I remember I'm enjoying my days. this little sidetrack. this is great. Anyway, so, you know, this is a prime example. Our heart can love something so trivial as a PlayStation 1 memory card just because we have made an investment. It took me countless hours to acquire all that stuff. It took a lot of time. And to lose that stuff would be would be a heartbreak even now, almost twenty years later. It sounds it's like cool. sounds like a lot of treasure stored up. It's on a little this s- <laughs> <earth>. <laughs> It really is. It really is. Or in a, a fictional earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in a way. Uh, anyway, but, but we see this investment principle play out in relationships too. Last year my grandparents celebrated their sixtieth wedding anniversary, which is a tremendous accomplishment. And my grandpa always always does this. But he did it on that day too. He he looked at my grandma and said you know, I love that woman more today than I did when I married her 60 years ago. And, you know, he, he says that kind of thing about her all the time. He said it for years. He just adjusts the number, you know, whatever the <laughs> anniversary is or whatever the length of time is. But, you know, when, when, when older people say that kind of stuff, they aren't saying it just to be adorable. They, they aren't saying it just to be cute. They actually mean it. They truly mean it in their heart and soul because they've walked through every season of life together. They've enjoyed blissful happiness, and they've been through terrible, terrible pain as well. They've, they've, uh, you know, they've had to experience the pain of losing friends and losing their parents, and going through health crisis after health crisis—heart attack, cancer, all kinds of stuff. You know, sickness in children, all kinds of terrible things. And they've also raised babies together and seen those babies grow up and have their own babies, and and now they get to enjoy their great grandbabies. You know, the generation that we're now that we're now having, and they get to experience and have got to experience for all these years so many highs and so many lows, but they did it all together. And and that that common effort adds up to one massive, massive investment. So after 60 years, their hearts are bonded together in a way that's deeper than words can ever possibly express. According to Jesus, if you want your heart to truly love something, you must invest in it. Now, recapping what he said, first... Don't store up treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven instead. Why? Because your heart will love whatever you invest in. The bottom line is, if you want your heart to love God most of all, then you've got to learn to store your treasure in His kingdom.
2: I wanted to add to that, but before when you were talking about how the heart isn't the leader, the heart's follower, Mm. and how that can be true... You know, towards different things or towards people, like that's where that's where it makes sense when Jesus said, you know, when He tells us to love our enemies. Yeah, it's it's not you know a lot of people like like what do you mean? I don't have love for. But I have like, to have these warm feelings. Yeah, it, yeah. It, but that's not. But Jesus says it, so it's true. And the truth in that is, it goes back to what you were saying that the heart is a follower. So when you make yeah. the choice and the decision to love on that person, if it's an enemy yeah. or whatever, then. He, and then your heart will follow suit.
0: Yeah, that's why Jesus says,
2: pray for those who
1: persecute you, yeah. because it will literally change the disposition of your heart toward that person. And that's
2: a, that's a, that's
1: a powerful, powerful thing. Yes.
2: So uh, now let's talk about treasure. Now, when the word treasure comes up, most of us think of money. But again, Jesus is talking about much more than that. This is where you're going to be doing a little personal reflection this is exercise time. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're driving, pull over. We've got an exercise for you. Or you might, you wanna, you
1: might just want to pause the episode and you know, get somewhere where you can grab a piece later. of paper or something. Yeah, you might want to come back to this later and finish it off. Just actually do come back, If though.
2: If you're at home and you're cooking, just put it on Simmer. Yes. Yeah, down. we simmer got this down. going for you. Okay. Simmer it down. There are four things... That we all treasure. So we're going to be talking about these. Jesus teaches about all four of these in Matthew 6. So feel free to go back and explore that chapter later in your quiet time. It's a great chapter. Now, the vast majority of what we do on a daily basis is motivated by a desire for these four things, these four things that we treasure. And these motivators may look a little different for each of us, but in one way or another, we all want them. It's, it's true, So when you have a moment, here's the exercise. I want you to draw a horizontal line on a sheet of paper as if you're creating an axis. Leave a couple of inches above the line because you'll need that space in just a minute. So underneath that line, though, you are going to write four words side by side. So just go from left to right. Just just forward. Make a line.
1: Like you're just writing a line. And uh, we're going to use this little diagram for a little self-reflection in just a moment. Did you want to say something else, or shall I go on? Uh, no, it is, it is your turn. I shall continue, then. The first word you're going to write down is the word pleasure. Pleasure. This word is so filled with connotations. This is one of the most basic and powerful human desires, the desire for pleasure. And basically, all it, all it comes down to is that I want to feel good. It's the desire to feel good, and it's a drive that plays out in all sorts of different ways in day-to-day life. This is why people get addicted to substances. They want to feel good. This is why people look at porn. They want to feel good. If you've ever done something as simple as adjusting the thermostat because you were a little bit too hot or a little bit too cold, you are a lover of pleasure. You would rather feel good than feel bad. If you've ever procrastinated on a project for work or school so that you could binge watch a show, congratulations. You like pleasure. Uh, if you're like me, <laughs> I've made cinnamon rolls after midnight on multiple occasions just because I got a oh. craving in the middle of the night. Like I'll have a tube of those, you know, those Pillsbury. You pop the tube and you pop them in the oven for a few
2: minutes. And I glamour. want to wake up t- to the smell of crackling bacon. So sue me. <laughs> Is that so much to ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, uh, I,
1: I am not at all claiming to be, uh, you know, like an advanced person when it comes to this the desire for pleasure is built into human nature. And we're going to come back to this in just a minute. It's not an, it's not an evil. A desire for pleasure is not an evil thing, but it's something that we all share. We,
2: we see it in little ways. We see it in big ways, but you love pleasure. Yeah. So that's your first word on that chart that we're making. Yep. Pleasure. The second word then is esteem. Esteem. Not the word steam. <laughs> esteem. Not you got so mad that a steam came out of your ears. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. So in this idea that we all want others to like and respect us, we we are social creatures, and we instinctively seek the admiration of other people because we want to be accepted in the group. We want to be liked. We want to be um, acknowledged or recognized. And, and, and that desire affects a ton of our behavior because even, even though many times we don't realize we are often doing it we it's it can still affect how we handle ourselves yeah. it's it's in the way that you carry yourself the way that you dress the way that you speak it's in a million other little just subtle things that we do that in often we don't even notice but it's there it's kind of it's it's in the it's in the recesses of our mind um in fact so no matter where you are or what you're doing you, it, it, it's probably something that 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 you don't even realize is happening. Maybe you are are, are uh, on your way to work and you're thinking about a presentation that you have to give and making sure that you are dressed the best, that your hair is parted just right, it, it, or you know, or just, or just making sure that you have dotted every i or crossed every t. A lot of these things that we focus our attention on so much come from this idea of our esteem or uh, wanting to appear um, the best that we can, to so that others will like us. And honestly, you know, it's something. It's something that I think about too. It's something I think about every time before we do an episode of the show. It's the reason why I told Doug I don't want to be on video anymore. I don't want to <laughs> have that focus anymore. Of <laughs> uh, 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 how am I looked? <laughs> 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 but it's but it's true. It's it, it it's if if we recognize it and acknowledge it, there is a part of this that that impacts all of us. We all want to. To, to be liked. We all want to be respected. And sometimes we do very good or even spiritual things but we secretly do them because we want someone to be impressed by us there it, it can it, it can creep in to every little part of our life and it's just it's such a sneaky little thing yeah it is <laughs> and jesus taught about that all the time he it goes back to this idea of our heart of what is in our heart of if do we are we craving for people to like and accept us and are we letting that affect how we live our lives Well, thanks for listening to the first part of this two-part Doable Discipleship series,
1: uh, dealing with the question, what does your heart love most?
2: Well, it loves most another episode on this topic.
1: I hope it does, because we got a second part of this coming next Tuesday. Please don't miss out on that. Look, if you stop now, you are totally missing... Exactly half of a very important <laughs> conversation. So make sure you come back for that. Next week we're going to be talking about a lot of doables. This week we haven't talked about doables because we've saved them all for next week. A big doable bonanza, bonanza next Tuesday. So don't, don't, uh, don't miss that. Thanks so much for that. <laughs> Laughter to my left, David. And uh, have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones and I hope you'll join us again next week.